Steve, happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs> um, are you, I forget, is the Samsung household a pork and sauerkraut kind of, kind of family? It is. It was. Although we, we, we had homemade sauerkraut this time and I didn't make it. Someone else made it. It was a little, a little strong. So wasn't, wasn't, you know, but still did. How about you? We, we also did. Well, I also did pork and sauerkraut. Uh, Anna she doesn't even decided, take a bite or taste. She didn't play along. She, I, she gave, I gave her like a little bit. Um, Susan plays along. She's not, yeah, she's not, it's not her favorite meal by any means, but she'll play along. I, I, I love it. Like I, I had it for leftovers for lunch today. Just literally just made some mashed potatoes through the, yep, throw them on yep, top of it. Yep. Yep. It's great. Yep, quality stuff. Anyways. Um, anyways, well, it's a new year. We've got a podcast to talk about. Um, Wait, no, we don't have a podcast to talk about. We are, have a podcast in which we will talk about other things. Um, it is called Stuff Summer Says with... Steve! With Steve. Um, yeah, we have, we've got a, a bunch of stuff to, to talk about. It's a little bit of stuff to catch up on. I think we're going to put some bows on some stuff, I think, for the season, maybe for the year. Um, I know it's technically now 2024. Um, and then I've got this week's old guy, young guy, so... I hope you're prepared. It's a simple one. It's an easy one. You always say that. It's, I promise. I promise. Um, all right. <clears throat> Let's begin with the first topic of today's show, which is Penn State's 38-25 to loss in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I was there. Steve was on couch watching. Uh, let's let's do this how we normally do this. Steve, how was the TV viewing experience of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl? Oh, I, I think good. I missed the whole. There was some something about the scoreboard early. Apparently, apparently, there was a screen capture that they had a three nothing score for Penn State ahead before the game even started, or in the first couple minutes. And I somehow missed that because we were doing some stuff around the house. Um, good broadcast. I like Lewis Riddick a lot. I think he's he's a good listen usually and honest and fun. Um, I think they did a good job with everything, and then I and then they got the best. They got the best. Yeah the best off the field piece of video live of the whole season, right. With the player's mother. So somebody was on, on the ball in the, in the director's chair. So yeah, I think good broadcast. Okay. I, I haven't gone back and watched the game yet. I will go probably go back tomorrow and watch the game, but it, it seems like grave reviews. Um, yeah. The, the mom thing, the mom thing was funny. Like the mom thing is, and I'm glad, I think there was, I don't know. I don't think Someone it was Audrey. Yeah, somebody's. I don't think it was Audrey, but somebody else from the athletic. The mom was good about it. Like she was very like. The mom was doing some revisionist history about it. Is what a she little was bit, doing, but yeah. still. Yeah. But she was at least good about it. Um. Yeah. So, I don't know. Okay. I think pitching the story, he had to walk up to her and say, "I mean, she was good about it." But the backstory is, "Hey, if this is what you said on TV. Do you want to talk about it and get ahead of it a little bit? Because you know, well, you know, I think she did a good job of that. So I did. I did too. You know, just always remember when you're in a football game, you don't know when the camera might be on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have plenty of screenshots of friends in uncomfortable and awkward positions. <laughs> um, See, that was the best part about being in the last row of the stadium. Camera never looked up there for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you did stick out like a sore thumb though with that orange hat. That's true. Um, all right, let's let's talk about the game aspect of it all. I guess I more so want to talk about maybe the, I don't know if it's overreaction, but it is over conflation of Penn State's Peach Bowl loss to maybe not necessarily this season, but maybe the future. And I think I wrote about this a little bit on the blog 
that was my biggest irk with the situation was if you're You were irked? I was I was upset the Penn State lost, but I was upset by the vocal minority's reaction to the situation of Penn State, like James Franklin coached a bad game or Penn State wasn't in its best was in its best position to win that game. I guess not wasn't was because they weren't like, I think that's the reality of the situation. When you look at the fact that they didn't have their two starting corners, they didn't have their defensive coordinator mastermind. And it, it, there was clearly a drop off in, in the scheming. I, at least I thought um, the attention to detail maybe wasn't there the same way it was under Manny Diaz. Um, so there was that. And then I think the offensive side of the game plan, that one was a little more normal. That's something you're fine to get frustrated about because I think in a lot of ways, why are you laughing? It's, well, it's the usual offense. There's something to get frustrated about. Well, you know. it's, I think some of the ways is it's, there's nothing, there's nothing that Penn State could have done to fix their wide receiver room. Like outside of, like they're not going to install a new offense. The wide receivers aren't going to magically take a, a a magic bean and all of a sudden become these elite wide receivers. Like that wasn't going to happen. I do think what frustrated me as a fan about the situation was it just, it, it there was no sense of rhythm. And, and, and I don't know if that's on the quarterback. I don't know if that's on the play calling combination of both. It's just, there was no groove to that game aside from maybe the first drive that I felt like Penn state, I think first half I thought Penn State had a chance and maybe even in the third quarter, I thought Penn State had a chance, but you could tell the, the wind was falling out of the sails um, was, was not staying with the sails, I guess would be my. Recap. I, I think I, for, for me watching it, I think it was bookended by two things, the, the, the wind out of the sails at the end, right? Like, Oh, okay, this is going where it's going. And in the beginning, um, you know, we had some TV stuff. We had somebody looking at one of the TVs. So people watching in the basement, I was kind of working TV guy upstairs. So it wasn't paying hard and fast attention. Saw the first drive where they ran the ball and did well. I think from a coaching, from a fan viewpoint at the coaching and the approach, and, and it's what the game is. If the game mattered, right, if it really mattered for something, would the offensive plan have changed? Would they have been savvy enough? And maybe it's maybe it's just too simple for me, the fan. You're running the ball, run the ball. Go ahead and pull a Michigan, right? Go ahead and say, hey, guess what? We can do this. Let's try to do this successfully, repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Keep you guys off the field from passing the ball quickly and exposing our weak defenders back there. And we'll just run the ball at you. Like, and that didn't happen, and I don't know that that would happen in the regular season, honestly, and which is also part of the offensive problem. Um, so that was what that with the, the distractions beginning and end, you know, impacted me a little bit. But as I think I think back and looked at some of the reaction, think about the game, I'm like, well, you know, if they were really trying to win. Why wouldn't you do this? If you know your receivers stink, right, or are struggling, running backs looked okay. They were open in holes. Now you got to pass at some point, but could you have done something? to slow the game down a little bit and do that. But it didn't seem like this was a game that mattered enough for them to want to do that either, you know? So, and I don't know that that would have happened in the regular season because I think that there's a, there's a here's our offense. We got to be diverse. We got to do whatever, as opposed to we got two good running backs. 
think our line can open up decent enough holes to get four yards at a, at a pop. Guess what? That's first down after three runs. I don't know. I think, and we'll get into this here in a little bit, but I think part of the offensive struggles were this season. And, and I think you're right because I had the exact same thought. Like, why are they getting away with away from the run? Some people say that said that Ole Miss made some adjustments um, that kind of squashed any chance of that happening. But I think the main gripe with the offense this year for me was in some ways it was overcomplicated and you could kind of see that. And it wasn't necessarily just the play design. It was the play calling like they're the best quarter of football. The team played all season long was that third quarter against Iowa when it kept it simple. Like it, it, it just pounded the, the rock. And I don't, I don't know if Penn State wins the game if they do that, but yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there of, of, I think that's I think that that is the one of the common threads to to this season. Um, Are you irked? I'll get back to that word. That might might be the right word. But has the the quarterback the the possibility of a quarterback competition or two quarterbacks gotten any higher in your world? Are you bothered by that discussion? Is number fifteen still your guy? Like what? Ha- where are you at with that at this point? As we're trying to put a bow on stuff, but that one won't—that one's going to not have a bow. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that one's never going to have a bow. Um, here is my, here is my frustration with that. The whole situation is, this is now, Sean Clifford became the quarterback in what 2018. We are now in 2024, and we're going to have the same problem going from 2018 to 2024. So six years or yeah, six years essentially of impatience by Penn state fans on the quarterback position to magically go to the second quarterback on the depth chart to save the day. And I think that's like, I think what gets lost in all of that is, and, and and maybe I'm being force fed and buying the PR on this, but the quarterback situation is the way it is because the coaches collect data, look at the stats, see those guys practice far more than any fan sees any of those players play. And that's who the better quarterback is in practice. And so, yes, Drew Aller is still my quarterback. Um, I will we're we're not at defending him the same way I will vehemently defend Sean Clifford forever. Um I think the idea of Bo Penn State should switch to Bo is based off of the assumption that or it's not based off the assumption, it's based off of the reality that the reason why Bo works so well is defense is planned for Drew and Bo is something different. I do wish they would use Bo more often or would have used more Bo Bo more often this season. But no, I I just the whole quarterback thing is is wild to me. And then you layer I I think there's two other things you layer on. The wide receiver room is not what Sean Clifford had. Sean Clifford had Parker Washington. He went early in the draft. I don't know if any of these wide receivers are going to get drafted. Um, it, he's when's, working... the, when's the UFL draft? 
the in the NFL draft, Steve. In the NFL. Oh, okay, just checking. I'm like saying they could get picked by somebody there. Um, and I, I also think like, I don't think Mike Yurcich unlocked Drew the way he could be potentially unlocked. And it's frustrating because as a fan, you look at one stat that matters. That's wins, losses, and that's all determined by the amount of points that you put up on the scoreboard. And for all but two games this season, Penn State put up a lot of points against teams. Um, and so it's it, like we're now getting into like the 2024 discussion or the, the recap of 2023, but it was just a complicated year. And it's 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 a lot of moving parts. A lot, a lot of moving parts. It's very, uh, it's a, it's a very nuanced year. I, I think is is the best way to kind of subscribe, describe, not subscribe, describe this Penn State football season, particularly at the quarterback position, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was any doubt he was the guy up until the end when you're frustrated, right? Like the, the end being the bowl game, um, and and the other the two games that they just lost. That you know, I don't, I don't know that it's as nuanced as they're just not as good as the teams they lost to. You know, I mean, it just might be, you know, he looked, played for crap in those two games. Ole Miss um, including, included? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in, in terms of what was on the field, Ole Miss was better than them. I it, I think, I wonder if, if Penn State has its full defense and full offense. I'm interested to see how that The defense that more. Like, I think, I don't I think. I think that, that game has a different tone to it. Because I don't think, I think the momentum switches. And I, I am a subscriber in momentum. Momentum. Moment. Yeah, no, I think the defense is more important than the offense in terms of who was missing, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I get that Olu's going to get drafted and high and, and is big and, and impressive, but they could have overcome the loss of an offensive tackle alone, right? Down a couple of your best defensive players against a team that throws the ball. It's like somebody who's going to put some pressure on people who are going to defensive passes. I think that hurt more um, and might shape my discussion on, on player MVPs later when we talk about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they were – whether it meant more to them, right, to get to a win number, whether they didn't have opt-outs and, and they were focused, whatever it was, it yeah, they they were the better team. Like it wasn't – it didn't feel like it was in doubt to me once we got to the middle of the third quarter for some of the same reasons as always. Oh, we're not – Penn State's not going to be scoring today, and this team's playing better. It's interesting you use the word focus because I, I – and I don't know when this switched in my brain, but – just reading everything leading into the game, I I felt like Penn State was going to win, just because it seemed like they were the more focused team, right? Like the way James Franklin was talking was there was like Olu and Chop were or Chop really was going to be the only definite opt out, and Olu was going to be the only maybe opt opt out, and then to kind of see it play out the way it did in the last forty eight hours before kickoff, twenty four hours before kickoff. Um, and then you layer on, you know, I think Curtis Jacobs didn't play in the second half. I don't know. I don't remember seeing Adisa Isaac playing in the second half. You layer that on and then you layer in whatever happened with Dante Cephas and whatever happened with Keandre Lambert Smith. It was, it was a weird tone shift in very quickly for at least what I was getting served the media, right? Through the service of the media was like, we're all missed together. Yep, there's a reason they're here. There is whatever else. And I get Olu's announcement didn't say he was playing, said he'd be down in, in Atlanta, which I'm fine with that being your announcement. But I guess the part that was irking me during the game, and I shared it with the people I, we were watching with a couple times, look, if you're not playing, get the heck off the sidelines or get out of your uniform. 
Like mm, wear your jersey over your shorts and sweats, but don't be there in full uniform. Like that was, I just think that's, I appreciate the effort that they put in and whatever else. But look, if you're going to play, play and dress. If you're not playing, wear your number. That's fine. Put some sweats on underneath and don't be there in shoulder pads and whatever else. So the cameras, I don't know. I just, I think it's, I don't know. You made a choice not to play. Don't dress for the game. It's interesting. I, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was weird to see Olu walk out um, dressed. Cause he was like in the, one of the first people out of the tunnel. Um, I don't know if I have an opinion on that either way. I don't mind that the players like, I have more of a, I think it was, yeah, it was, it was Johnny Dixon that didn't go right. Like he didn't, I guess he wasn't in Atlanta at all. I had a little bit of an issue with that. Like if you want to opt out, that's fine. I, if you're going to opt out, do it. Like if you have the opportunity to opt out and you're going to go in, you're guaranteed going to go in the first round, do it. Like I have no issue with that. Like if I was, if you were facing a multimillion dollar payday, you too would take it type thing. But you're, you're you're still a part of the team. You're still going to always be a part. And it just kind of feels lame. I don't know. And so, anyways, um, did you read? You, you trigger something in the brain. Did you read Neil Neil Rudell's article articles? Mm-hmm. I would give them a read. They he talked about that kind of issue, the opt out issue. They're a very good um, vibe check on how the, the Peach Bowl situation played out. So. I would give those a read um, because he, he tapped into that article. Cause yeah, I think you could see that like it's this bull game, bull games in general are very complicated, right? Like now, because there are, or, or at least this season, they were complicated. They won't, they'll be a little bit more complicated if you miss the playoff next year. And I think for me, at least, you know, if Penn State would have won, I, I wonder what discussion you and I are having, what discussion Penn State fans are having. Um, but at the same token, like I wouldn't get that high off of this this the season still happened, like the season still played out the way it did. And I think that's very much what you have to look at in terms of the the data set. Um I agree. I mean, I, I do think people are who are reacting are probably doing the math that, okay, it doesn't matter, but we lost the defensive coordinator. He wasn't there. This is what this team looks like without the defensive coordinator. This is what this team looks like without, with the players that aren't six or seven players on defense who didn't play at all or as much. Right. So I think, so I think looking toward next season, they're doing that math and it's quick and it's before blue white and it's for a season, a whole preseason set of practices. But I think that's how people get there in terms of that negativity is okay. This is what this looks like. Huh? I don't know. Um, so yeah, and I, and I think to your point, it's going to get more complicated going forward. And I honestly think big picture, if people want players to show up in non-playoff games, and this will be interesting, but I, I see, I see not that far down the line, winner's shares and lo- loser's shares in games, mm, like monetary okay, stuff yeah. there, because, you know, there's going to be 12 teams that make it. Yeah, there's some feel-good stories in some places that want to do some other stuff. But those other bowls are going to be fighting again, I think, in a pecking order for for attendance. I mean, if you look at what the Citrus Bowl had for attendance with Tennessee and Iowa. It was insane. Like, right. it, it, even the the uh, Wisconsin-LSU game, there was. And it was like, 
I was thinking about how pa- not packed, but it was decently full when Penn State played there. It, it, the last year it was the Outback Bowl. Um, same thing. I was like, there's nobody. Like, there is no one at that stadium. Right. I mean, and that used to be a big bowl. That used to be that used to be a good bowl yeah. if you didn't get into the the BCS or even right. early days of the playoff. Yeah. Um, I mean, but fans are doing the math now. They've invested in a whole, a whole season of home games. Maybe they've gone to one road game. Are we going to travel there? Are we going to do this? Does the game matter? Why am I putting something into it? You know, so I think those bulls are going to be in for a challenge on the, on the outside yeah. of the playoffs. Well, and I think, I think even like power five is one thing, but like a max school, a, you know, you look at those attendants, like those are corporate events that are meant for TV right. more than, than anything else. Right. I mean, ESPN owns them all, so they're not gone right. anywhere, but. Because they're cheap, they're cheap programming comparatively to whatever the other options are, and people will tune in. Like people will will watch yep. them. You go look at the numbers. Um, let me just let me just want to hit on this real quick before we wrap up the Peach Bowl stuff. Uh, stadium, Mercedes Benz Stadium is very nice. The concourse is gorgeous, very nice. Um, the food prices are as cheap as they say they are. That was cool. However, didn't love the in arena seating we were we were in the 200 levels in row five and i felt we were a mile away um it, it just you felt very removed and that was i think that was also comparatively from the lions stadium which is not didn't feel very removed by um or from um so, so is the 100 level just bigger or is there like a special zero zero level that's there, taking the 100 level to- is bigger but the it doesn't, the 200 level doesn't overhang the 100 okay. level as much. Like it maybe only covers 25%, whereas at other stadiums have been to, it's like, you know, 50% or something like that. Um, so I don't know. And you got a Chick fil A sandwich? What was the food? You I buy? did not, I did not get a Chick fil A sandwich because the line was very long for the Chick fil A sandwiches. Um, I got a hot dog and a soda for $6. Um, and that was a souvenir cup, which I'll now have. And then what else did I get? Oh, I got um, chicken tenders and fries. Those were, I think, $10, maybe $15. But it was a very, very large plate of them. And it was from John Taffer from Bar Rescue's little, like, bar. So it was neat. Um, so they had, a lot of, they had a lot of options, too. Like, there was barbecue. There was ice cream stuff. Like, it was – there weren't – there was a Moe's. There was, there was a lot of different options, that not just, like – how was the chicken stadium. tenders compared to something you might get in, say, Beaver Stadium? They were the chicken tenders were fine. The French fries were significantly better. They were like real. They didn't seem like they were frozen French fries. Okay. Like they they felt they were nice breaded, nice good good seasoned okay. for well seasoned fry. Um, yeah. So, anyways, all right. That's it for the Peach Bowl. Uh, let's recap the season. We got into it a little bit there. Um. Steve, if you had to pick a word to describe this Penn State football season, you know this wasn't on the homework part, but what would what word would you would you pick? Deja vu. Ooh, please elaborate. Here we go again, right? It's the same old, same old. I mean, and not, and not to be again, same old, same old sounds negative, right? And I can make the argument: one hundred twenty other schools would kill to the ten wins and whatever else, but there weren't any. You know, we'll talk, I guess, best game and worst game and surprises. There were no, oh, my gosh, what a great moment that's going to make this memorable. Positive moments, I don't think. I mean, not that there were bad moments, but there wasn't like, oh, my God, that was the moment of the season. 
there were what you expected. Check the box. Ohio State, loss. Michigan, loss. So, yeah, here we go again. We're excited in August. We're going to tailgate. We're going to grumble about some noon games. We're going to be happy for some 3.30 games and night games at 8, 8 o'clock, 7.30. You're going to be exciting. And when it's all said and done, you're third in the Big Ten East and, you know, going to bowl game. Now, of course, all that changes next year because Michigan isn't on the schedule, right? And there's no East. So it'll be different next year. All right. I think what was your fair. word? I would go with mundane. Okay. I think I think in a lot of ways this season, I think you hit on it there. I don't know what the lasting memory or image of this season is going to be. Like it was a very forgetful season in a lot of ways. Honestly, the most lasting image is going to be that kid's mom. <laughs> you think that's it's going to be one I, of know, them, right? That's going to live. That is going to live for. It's going to have a life, time. no matter how much she explains yeah. it away. It's going to. It's going to live for because yeah. because they caught it so well, and she clearly enunciated, and and people are going to be able to see what she said. And that's a good point. And, and you're going to go back to say ten and three, and and people will be like, "Yep, what is this?" That's a good point. I was gonna let, let's we we've got some superlatives. So I I, I don't I, that, that's the thing I I don't have a. I have a, uh, I don't have a, a like a favorite moment of this season in terms of the gameplay. Obviously, yeah. hanging out with friends, family, all that stuff is great. Um, but yeah, I, that's I don't I just I I don't know what the lasting image from the season is. Last season, it's Sean Clifford's ovation at the Rose Bowl. Like, a, we'll always remember that. You'll always even even for those who have hated Sean Clifford, you'll always kind of remember that. This yeah, I mean, it's 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 there was some of it after the Peach Bowl as there was after whatever the other road game was when they won and the fan bitched at Franklin. Was it they won? They won Maryland. NFA? Maryland. Maryland. So so the same thing happened at the Peach yeah. Bowl after Maryland, right? Somebody said something. I mean, so that happened twice in the season, right? I yeah. mean, that's almost and that maybe is lasting a, a, a thing. And, and I think, and I know this is the third negative thing in a row. I got the mom. I got the. I think the other thing is that's lasting and in his deja vu for some would be James Franklin's for some response to, to poor performances. Right. And, and I contrast it with Nick Saban from Alabama who in, in the heat of the moment, I mean, post game five or seven minutes after the game was like, didn't do some things totally my fault. We should have prepared him better. We learned stuff. It was a great season from where we were my fault for not doing better. There was no, my fault, even if you don't believe it, if you're him and you don't believe it, that wasn't said after the peach poll. There was, oh, there's a lot of moving parts. Well, respectfully, it's someone's job to deal with those moving parts. Right. And it's no, yours. So feel free to say, hey, we had a lot going on. I should have put us in a better position to succeed. Right. And I, I think those kind of things, that kind of approach would resonate more with the fans who are ready to jump on the negative bandwagon a little better than, than what is said. I think... I think another word that comes to mind is just in general grumpy. And I think, I think outside of the Iowa game, there wasn't really that impressive of a performance. The Maryland game, maybe, right? Um, and this is a season that included three shutouts that you were like, yeah, okay, feel good. And, and I think it just kind of, I think both with the fans going after James Franklin, like literally going after James Franklin, the way people are talking on social media this week, the way, um, even, but even in the way James Franklin talked this year, 
and even by some of his actions with firing Mike Yursich, it was a grumpy year, I think would be uh, ooh, another word that that kind of comes to mind when I describe it and, and sit down and think about this season. Um, so I, I just wanted to ask you that because uh, I, I was interested to hear your 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 word. And glad we're relatively in the same ball, ballpark. No, grumpy's good. And I have no sense. I didn't listen to Paul Feinbaum today, so I don't know what Alabama fans are feeling today, right? Like, you know, how miserable they are or aren't by their outcome, although they were probably blessed to be in the position they were, or how miserable Ohio State fans are, right, in terms of their bowl effort, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> well, as a Penn State fan, you got to be happy for that. Like, right now, I'll give you that optimism for 20, and I know we're not there yet, but, man, Ohio State doesn't have a quarterback, and Michigan isn't on the schedule at this point for Penn State in 2024. you got to be thinking that's good. Well, with – and I think about this, like in this, there. It, that's what makes college football so complicated right now is the lens that you look through everything, right? Like Ohio State is in a better boat, in my opinion, than Penn State right now, and Alabama is in a better boat than Ohio State is in right now. But those are three fan bases right there in a row that they're probably all not happy right. with the way this season shook out because because. What's another SEC title to Alabama fans, you know? Right. And for Ohio State, they're very much second fiddle to Michigan right now. And then you've got Penn State, who is very much second fiddle to both of those schools. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a complicated it's a complicated cloudy year. I think is the best way to. So it's kind of grumpy. Yeah, to to put it grumpy. I thought that was a good word. All right. Um, so a couple of homework assignment questions for you this week. Uh, what was the best game of the season? And I'll let you decide that uh, however you want to decide. I think there were only two choices and they were both low hanging. I mean, they were just okay choices. And you mentioned them both, Iowa and Maryland. I probably put Iowa because it was a shutout and it was home and it was white out and it was exciting, but it was Iowa, right? Like, you know, so that's kind of hard to make. I mean, it's it was the best game of the bunch for me. And you didn't know Iowa was going to be good at the time either. So it got a little bit of value because they made the conference championship game. Well, well, that was kind of the de facto made well, the I know. conference I, championship. I, but, I agree. But that being said, I, I went back and like looked through the whole reason. The One of the reasons why I wanted to do the blog was I wanted a way to catalog kind of the way a season goes for Penn State. And you go back and read what I had put out on the blog that that from that week and Penn state sent a message that week. Like uh, there was steam in the sales. There was steam in the engine towards potentially really beating Ohio state. And I think that was why there was a confidence that Penn state could beat Ohio state. So yes, Iowa would also be my answer in terms of best game. Um, just because of, of that. Um, but even there's not really one play or one moment that you're going to remember from that game like mm -mm. It, it just kind of happened it was like you can like to be completely honest barely remember that that was the whiteout right it was a workmanlike like there just weren't any like I said there wasn't one of those games like oh, you left the stand yeah we got that win over that team we shouldn't have beat or yeah everything looks so good in that win i was as close as it got yeah yeah okay uh the worst game of the season these are close and, and i was Maybe playing my cards too close to the vest. We're talking to season recap. I, I, I have Mississippi State there. You mean Ole Miss? 
Ole Miss, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Ole Miss. Okay. Yes, I Ole Miss. I I, I kind of have them right, like because it was the chance to send you off in the next season. Michigan's close, just because by that point you people were still saying, "Oh well, okay, so what?" Ohio State, we got Michigan State. Well, you know, kind of deluded yourself that was some, there was some hope there. But I, I think Ole Miss and the and the Peach Bowl might be in some ways just for all the stuff we ended up talking about, right? Like that's it just lingers. It's it's the one mm-hmm. that lingers the longest. So I think that's why it's probably my worst. And that was, I think, I think that's where a lot of frustration this week sits. Is there's nothing Penn State can do to course correct right. that. Like it's this is it. Like you got to wait till 2024. Now um, you got to wait till August. Um, I think for me, it's it's Michigan just because the way that that game played out felt like Penn State actually had a better chance to beat Michigan than they did Ohio State. And and the way that that had played out the year before, it was not even close between Michigan and, and Penn State in terms of the, the way that game played out. So to see it play out that way and now see where Michigan's at, like it's obviously some of that's a little bit of jealousy, but like I just think Penn State – I don't know. I think they, that was the chance. It didn't feel close the way they did it, right? Like, I mean, Michigan just decided to impose their will on Penn State. Right. Which was just tough to deal with as a fan and a player, I'm sure. I think for a lot of ways, Penn State in that game in particular, and this was, this kind of goes back to the, the complexity of their offense this year, or really the complexity of the game plans this year was, Penn State overthought everything. Like it, it just felt like it was an overthoughtful game. And they tried to beat Michigan the way that Michigan probably wanted them to play. Um, also, like from a standpoint of the media circus going into that game, if Penn State beats Michigan, Michigan loses. Penn State probably wins out. They're now going to the Big Ten title because of the tiebreaker situation. And everybody like Harbaugh is maybe gone like a hundred percent gone now after the se- the season and the way it, it shakes out. And instead it's where this is where we are. Um, so it, it's, a, that was, that was a big, big kind of worst game for me um, this season. Uh, what was your season defining moment? Ohio state game, uh, Penn Ohio State goes on like a 13 play drive, 61 yards. Oh, there's 13 plays, 61 yards to go ahead 10 3. Like when they did that, I'm like, oh shit, guess what? Here's the defense, they're scoring, they're going to score enough points, it's going to be okay. And I'm not, I'm not for them, and I'm not sure Penn State's going to score any more points. So it wasn't like a play, it was just like there was the deja vu thing. Here's Ohio State going to do what it wants to do. I think for me, it's it also happened in the Ohio State game, and it was that called back, uh, that oh, yeah strip sack strip, yep, yep. strip fumble touchdown yep. i think it was curtis jacobs who yep. scored um or would have scored I, it, you could tell that 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 was the the wind out of the sails had they taken the lead there i don't think penn state really gives up the lead there and who knows how this season goes like who knows right. and how those, the rest the, of those are the things you need and there weren't any of those yeah. that all year long right aside literally aside from opening night the first drive of Drew to Keandre Lambert Smith for 71 yards or however many yards that, that there was no, that it people factor. were so excited. There was going to be a passing game, right? Like, it's just like, it, yeah, <laughs> sorry. It's not funny, but it's no. funny. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Uh, two more left here. Who was your MVP? I think chop Robinson. Like I, I, I think 
counting the bowl game, I might have made it Kalen King because I think they could have overcome just the absence of Chop Robinson. If Kalen King would have been back there, they might have had a chance of stopping a few passes in the Peach Bowl. But I think season-long Chop Robinson, I mean, so much was made of of his presence, his motor, his impact on the team, the game at Maryland. I mean, just all this stuff. So, so I think him. Um. Yeah. I, I, Chop is the first person to come to mind. However, I'm going to change the change the question slightly. I'm going to from from player to person. I'm going to go with Manny Diaz. I think that was go. the the biggest. But I think Chop, in terms of player, just the way he took his his stats didn't light things up, right? Like it, and aside from really the the strip sack or the you know the, yeah the strip sack against Rutgers didn't really sealed that game. You know, maybe didn't have like a ton of huge big plays, but it was the way he took away everything to allow everybody else to do their job. And I think that's that was <laughs> crucial to me. Yep. Um, okay, last one. This one I'm gonna I'm gonna call our writer MVP, but it can also be our media person MVP. I would I would prefer if he kept it to the Penn State beat um on this answer, but you don't have to. Um who did you enjoy? Whose coverage did you enjoy the most this football season? I did keep it the Penn State beat, and I went. I think this one will surprise you, and it surprised me when I thought about it. Um, I made Dave Jones my selection. Why? Um, because I think because not I think because on after games on Sundays, I want to read what he had to say as a perspective setter. I, I respect and appreciate Mike Portman's All-22 and like it, and there's a lot there all the time, and I, it takes me time to do that, right? Like, I, there's always a lot there. And Audrey is different perspectives on stuff and covers the team really well. But when I think about who I want to hear from in, like, right away and then, like, the three or five reads or whatever he does with his second story each weekend, it's Dave Jones. Like, I, I for as much as he can push people's buttons, he was the one where I got the story, and it seemed like he brought he broke the story on the Maryland Aftermath with the feedback from Franklin and how it happened, right? And setting that perspective. And, and I think he pats himself a lot in the back by saying, well, I asked this question and this is what prompted it. Okay, you're doing your job, that's great. But yeah, I think for me in terms of what I consumed and what I look forward to, that stuff in the immediacy afterwards, because I knew the result was often top of the list. All right, all right. You, you, you mentioned my answer. It was Mr. Michael Portman and his all 22. Um, I think it was a. I think there was a couple of reasons why I liked it. Number one, it was I, I love nor, number storytelling. I think I've always enjoyed that. I think that's if you can do that, and you can do it well. It's always great, and I think Mike did a great job with that. I think the other thing was it was something fresh and new mm -hmm. for, especially no offense, Mike, for somebody that's been on the beat for you know. Quite well, for the beat period, I mean, he always does a good of zigging when everybody else is zagging. He yeah. introduced the All-22 for this season. I'm sure there'll be something different next season because he's not going to get caught in the same trope over and over. He'll find a different way to present kind of the same stuff, which I think is great. So, yeah, I, I think it's a great pick. Yeah, no. So that would be my 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 pick. I, I, I think uh, we covered the season pretty well there. All right. We're running... We're running a little long, but I, I want to do this because I think this is also a good idea from, from Mr. Samson himself. Um, so, Steve, a few weeks back, we, we had an interesting debate about the uh, both the Times person of the year and the Sports Illustrated person of the year. Um, who was your Penn State sports person of the year? And I, I here is how I defined my answer. 
biggest impact of the year. That was how I, I am defining it, but I will leave you open to definition to you. No, I think that's where I went as well. Although I, okay. and I'm going to skip the one I think you're going to take just so we can have two names. Um, and mine's no, not many people know. I don't think um, he's the guy that founded blueprint sports when that, that, that consulting firm that they brought in to make the two groups, the NIL groups come together. His name is Rob sign. He's a Penn State alum who was one of the founders of Blueprint Sports. So I'll go with him because I don't know that those NIL groups were going to get their stuff together until someone from the outside came in and was was either a sheriff or showed them the numbers and said, hey, it'll be better together, whatever else. So I'll go with Rob Sign because I just okay. think it, it affects every program, all 31 teams. I was hoping for some feel-good story, but I think this is the one that is the biggest impact in the program overall. Okay. That's that's interesting. And, and I now don't disagree with that answer. However, I, I when I was doing this, I, I just wrote down a list of names. Like who were the first five names, like five or so names that came to mind this season? No, sorry, this year, thinking about Penn State in 2023, Penn State Athletics 2023, the scope of 2023. The names I came up with were Micah Shrewsbury, Pat Kraft, Chop Robinson, Drew Aller, Jeff Tambroni, and I, who I think, who I think I'm going to, I think I'm just going to be the, the, uh, maybe the iconoclast, if that's the word I'm looking for. I think my answer is going to be Mike Yurcich. I think that is going to be my, <laughs> like, that's fair. Cause I think he had it, who had the biggest impact, right? Like that, that was the biggest story. James Franklin had never fired a. And State had never came anybody in the middle of the season before. Yep. Yeah. It, it just it never happened around here. And to see that happen and now it set off all these other dominoes and how is that going to play out now going into the future? So that would yeah, be I mean, Pat Kraft was probably my one a just because he's the made that enabled all this stuff and pushed all this stuff to happen. But I think your is it's ironic, but I think it's correct. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, and I think the Micah Shrewsbury thing there, at least before football season probably would have been just because he, he did lead the team to the, a title and, and then yeah. left. Um, but yeah, I, I I just really think it was Mike Yersich just because that will be how, like, it's weird, but I think that, for me at least, will be a big way in how I remember how this football season went. I mean, think about the way that John Donovan, right, like, impacted and shaped um, that, that firing, shaped kind of Penn State's future with then Joe Moorhead coming in. Uh, can can Andy Kotelnicki do the same thing? I don't know, but... That would be that's why I picked my, the head, my the head coach's sake. He kind of almost has has to do something better, right? Because at some point, right. it's not the offensive coordinators, right? No, right? Yeah. so I didn't realize, and I didn't think about this. I, I guess within, within the scope now, because of Penn State firing Mike Yurcich, this was in Mike Portman's all twenty-two. Penn State's now finishing up the buyout on Kirk Sharaka, has a buyout on Mike Yurcich. And has to cover Andy Kotelnicki's buyout from Kansas. Like, there's a lot of money being invested into to assistant coaches, which it's it, one of those things again. Like, just feels completely different to 25 years ago. You know, oh, sure. Oh yeah. Like it's night and day. It's night and yep. day. All right. Let's wrap up the show. Anything else you want to add there? Any any sports person in the year? Any? No, any? I think those are the right ones. I think okay. I went to Shrewsbury, wouldn't have been on my list, but I mean, 
just because I wouldn't think of basketball, right? But he gets the basketball team there, leaves, sets up the discussion, actually pushes the discussion for men's basketball NIL stuff over the edge because people are like, well, we're losing this guy. we got to fix figure it out. <laughs> so big impact there. Two departures, he and yours, which I think were kind of thoughtful ways to go about that. So good job. All right. Um, this week's okay, young guy. It's New Year's. So here's what I want to know. And maybe I last asked you this last year, but does Steve Samsel make a New Year's resolution? No, I didn't. I'm trying to trying to be maybe to be nicer, right? Like, you know, we joke about, you know, the the the, the grumpy. It's funny that grumpy was your word for the season, right? Because like, you know, we talk about what the grandchildren are gonna call me, and mine is grampy, right? Because if you take the O and make it a U, it fits, <laughs> right? So I, I need to work on that a little bit, I guess, more for, for non-family and non-close friend audiences so they don't get the brunt of that. So maybe it's that. What about you're not, you? You're not grumpy. Um no, I'm not setting one. I haven't set one ever, I don't think. There you um, go. See? That's, that, you must be living a clean, good life as it is. That's I'm, wonderful. I'm trying. I love Grampy. <laughs> uh, you didn't hear that story before? No, you didn't tell uh, me that yet. Oh, yeah, that's the story. There's a, there's a, sweatsh- there's a sweatshirt that because you got one for all the grandparents. So mine is Grampy. Or Grampy. But grampy. again, we all know you can change the A to a U. That, that line on that A just comes off real easy. Exactly. Um, Okay. Anyways, what a what a uh, what a podcast. Um. All right. Let's see. Let's wrap up the show here. Um. Probably will expound expand on that season wrap up discussion. Probably tomorrow night. Maybe Thursday. I'll, I'll hit publish on that. Um. I know Steve has some stuff kicking on the kicking in the brain. I obviously you know now that football season's over be a little bit less blog heavy um just you know we'll write when we've we've got stuff we're we're not paid to do this so when we've got something it's there that's our approach to it but we'll, we'll definitely make sure it's fresh um we will probably have a newsletter at some point this month as well um anything else you want to add there in terms of content plans steve i think we'll still have some semi-regular stuff so yeah i think it'll be okay. good all yeah. right good all right um and then that's about it. Uh, thumbs up and five stars. Subscribe down here. I uh, appreciate anybody that has subscribed. We've really from our Pete Gonzalez um, interview. Um, we've picked up a lot of subscribers, so I really appreciate that. Um, other than that, uh, we've got a website. It's called stuffsummersays.com. On that website, there's a section called with Steve. Steve. Uh, we've got emails. Mine's Darian at stuffsummersays.com. Steve's is. Steve at stuffsummersays.com. And lastly, lastly, we have Twitter handles. Mine's at stuffsummersays. Steve says at Steve Samsel. We're out of here. Happy New Year.